0: about publishing and writing, and to highlight independent bookstores. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Friends in Fiction. I'm New York Times bestselling authors with stories. This is a very special night for us because we're thrilled to be celebrating the launch of Mary Alice's first ever middle grade book, The Islanders.
2: Hey. Hey. Oh.
1: It was so fun. <laughs> special guests, her co um, author, Angela May, and author, natu- naturalist, and explorer, Cy Montgomery. I'm your host, Christy Woodson Harvey, and I loved how The Islanders explores the healing power of nature.
3: I'm Patty Callahan Henry, and I adored the idea of children unplugging in this modern chaos.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and I love the idea of children exploring and discovering secrets. Mm. I'm Kristen Harmel, and I loved the fact that this
4: book par- is partially about friendship. And it was written by two <laughs> friends, our very own Mary Alice
1: and her friend Angela May.
0: Ah, uh, thanks everyone. And I'm Mary Alice Monroe, and I'm the author of The Islanders.
1: So before we get started, I hope you guys have a lot of champagne tonight, because we have a lot to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. First of all, um, our Patty's Surviving Savannah just hit the USA Today bestseller list. Go, Patty. here's Go that. Patty. Um, And Kristen's The Book of Lost Names is on the New York Times paperback list for the third week in a row. <laughs> Amazing. So much to celebrate. So much. Thank you. Um, it's and so also, great. You know, in addition to this being the launch night for the Islanders, we are expanding um, this launch party to explore the fascinating world of children's books. So we'll be talking about what is middle grade fiction, how does it differ from young adults, and things like that.
4: And this is children's fiction with a twist. So both Mary Alice and Cy Montgomery write novels that are inspired by nature. Their books capture the awe and wonder of nature for children of all ages.
2: Speaking of awe, I am in awe <laughs> of our incredible partner, <laughs> Mama Geraldine's, whose tea, bras, and cookies. Hang on, let me get my. I had to pregame tonight, mm-hmm. so I've got my um, got my Mama G's nice. right here. Oh, there <laughs> you go. There You're you making go. me hungry. Whenever I'm on book tour, I always have a box or two with me in case of a. You know, I need a road snack, a roadie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> always you get 20% off your order at mamageraldines.com with the code Fab5. Fab Five. Fab Five.
3: And I'm left with the other tongue twister because we're excited to remind you that this is the summer of Story Point on mm-hmm. Friends and Fiction. Got it. Each week the after show will be called Sip and Stay with Story Point After Show and will be sponsored by Story Point Wine.
0: Hello, story point. Yeah.
3: Now, this week, as you know, we partner with Parade Magazine. And it is online on their website, and it is also on their Facebook page. And our Kristen wrote the most beautiful essay for Parade this week. You don't want to miss it. I got definitely a little teary-eyed. She mm. hit the nose.
4: Oh, you're so sweet. Well, yeah, it was actually, this is going to sound weird after you've just said, I You get teary. I wrote about our couch. Um, (laughs) No, it was sort of the couch's metaphor though, how I'm trying not to see it for myself through other people's eyes and how sometimes embracing our imperfections can lead us to a better, happier life. So I was wondering, is there something that each of you has learned to embrace about yourselves
1: this last year? Hmm. Well, if some of you guys know, I have a blog called Design Chic with my mom and we write about home decor. And so my house is really important to me and it is just a total disaster. We've been in construction for literally years. And so I, like Elsa, have just had to let it go.
4: <laughs> could could, I, could have you have to sing a-
3: that? Press, let, it let it go? That's not for a couple go. more weeks, you guys.
4: Oh. <laughs> it's right. It's hard.
3: Oh, I've learned that I used to blame the fact that I didn't have enough time on my hands for not getting things done, but even um, with the extra time on my hands during the pandemic, I still did not clean out the attic, and so I accept my shortcomings with humble acknowledgement. Love mm-hmm. it. Well, I have to say for me, it's if you
0: look behind the books, it's filing. I mean, I don't know, it's sort of like those trick candles that you try and blow out and it keeps popping back up. I try and file and it just keeps piling up. So it's just like, okay. I'm kind of giving up. So for me, it's filing.
2: It's so funny. I think I've learned to lean into my chaos brain. There you go. Uh, oh, I, What does that mean? You know, I am disorganized to a fault. I um, have a hard time keeping all the balls in the air that I'm juggling and I think with the pandemic, I just said, you know, chaos brain is also creative brain. True, yeah. So I'm going to lean into hoping that, he, that creative brain makes up for chaos brain. Oh,
1: that's lovely. I like that very much. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to the rest of the show, uh, one more announcement Um Mary Alice has had quite a spring. Reunion (laughs) Beach came out in April, the summer of Lost and Found in May. We're launching the Islanders tonight, and we're also releasing the paperback of last summer's
0: bestselling on Ocean Boulevard. Today, I mean, mean, what were they thinking? (laughs) But the paperback, (laughs) if you haven't read on Ocean Boulevard, now it's in paperback. So it's it's an embarrassment of riches is what it
1: is. (laughs) That's always a good thing. So you all know Mary Alice, but you have never read her quite like this and her first ever middle grade book, The Islanders. It is not her first foray into children's literature. She's the New York Times bestselling author of 28 books, and two of them are picture books.
3: She's also achieved loads of lists and numerous awards for her adult novels, but she also won the ASPCA Henry Berg Award for children's fiction for Turtle Summer. And her novel, A Low Country Christmas, had a 10 year old protagonist and that book won the prestigious 2017 Southern prize for fiction.
2: And then there's the fun stuff she gets to do. (laughs) Mary Alice, she's all about the turtles. She works closely with them as a permitted member of South Carolina's Department of Natural Resources. She rehabilitated sea turtles at the South Carolina Aquarium. And she's on the board of the Leatherback Trust, where she works with the world's largest sea turtles in Costa Rica.
4: Mm-hmm. Ah, hey, Mary Alice, my dad lives in Costa Rica. We're going we oh, well, to meet, uh, meet up, meet up we'll, we'll over see. the turtles. Exactly. Come on, I'll show you
0: a leatherback. All uh, right, yeah, cool. That's, that's, that's so fabulous.
4: Mary Alice has also rehabilitated, trained, and cared for Atlantic bottlenose dolphins. She raises monarch butterflies and has chased them across the country as they migrated to the mountains of Mexico. How cool. She has also rehabilitated birds of prey, pelicans, and shorebirds. Currently, she's studying whales.
0: Honestly, I have to say working with wildlife is the best part. I mean, it's the, it's the inspiration for all my stories. But now, enough about me, let's move on to my, I'm a little gushing over the next guest. It's my guest, Cy Montgomery. I'm so honored and so thrilled that she's agreed to come on Friends in Fiction when we talk about middle grade fiction. So let's talk about Sai. Size 28 books for both adults and children have garnered many honors. The Soul of an Octopus was a 2015 finalist for the National Book Award. She's wow. the winner of the New England Independent Booksellers Association Nonfiction Award, the Children's Book Guild Nonfiction Award, and she too won the Henry Berg Award for nonfiction.
3: Sai's work has also gone on to film. Her work with the Man-Eating Tigers... Who works with man-eating tigers? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> wish, sigh. Yeah. i wish, on our I'm like, hi, dolphins. Anyway, her work with the man-eating tigers, which is the subject of her book, Spell of the Tiger, was made into a National Geographic television documentary. Also for Nat Geo, she developed and scripted Mother Bear Man and won a Chris Award.
2: Now, she gets to do, Sai gets to do some fun stuff, too, um, I don't know how much fun this is to yeah, her. Fun is in the eye I was right Fun. <laughs> 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 okay. it's fun. It's fun. has been <laughs> chased by an angry silverback gorilla in Zaire, bitten Fine, by wow. a vampire bat in Costa Rica, navigated not, not going there, worked in a pit <laughs> crawling with 18,000 snakes in Manitoba, mm-hmm. and handled a wild tarantula in French Guiana. She <laughs> has, She's been deftly undressed by an orangutan mm-hmm. in Borneo, hunted by a tiger in India, and she swum swam with piranhas, electric <laughs> eels, and dolphins in the Amazon.
3: You are making this up. Not <laughs> making sense. Okay. I'm not so. Making
2: sense so Mary
4: Alice, first, may I have a dinner invitation to the next time the two of you get together? Yes. As long as it's not in like a snake pit in Manitoba. No, that's okay. Right? I don't
0: do snake pits. That's all right. Okay. Phew. All right.
4: All right. So you must have a lot to talk about. But what is most intriguing to me is well, aside from, you know, snake pits and man-eating tigers, <laughs> is that both Cy and Mary Alice write to inspire both adults and children to take care of our shared planet.
1: Let's bring in Cy. There she is. She's alive. Hi, Hi. (laughs) welcome. Oh, Sai! welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And as um, a mother of a boy in the middle grade fiction age group, I'm so excited to have these two amazing authors' books to add to his summer reading list. And I'm thrilled by all the extra lessons that I know he'll learn while he's doing this fun reading. So let's begin tonight's discussion by digging into what exactly is middle grade fiction. There's still a lot of confusion in the industry and among parents who are buying these books for their children. So, Mary Alice, can you tell us a little bit about what middle grade fiction means? Right. um, And I'm glad
0: this is such an important question. Middle grade fiction refers to the books. It's really age related, written for readers between about eight to 12. And these kids are still children, but they're just developmentally on the cusp of reaching adolescence. So young adult fiction refers to children usually between 12 in 18. And so again, these terms are not about genre, but pretty much age specific. And it applies to all genres of fiction, whether it's science fiction, mystery, uh, coming of age, everything. So the reading level of children varies wildly from child to child. So here's an important point. If you have a younger child who's reading at an advanced level, that doesn't mean you want that child to read a young adult book. And that's because the content varies wildly. In middle grade, you have a wide range of reading levels. But to put it quite simply, in middle grade, you're not going to get sex and rock and roll. The content differs, you know. So I think the best example is to take this series of Harry Potter because it's so popular. Mm. The first books of Harry Potter are really rooted firmly into middle grade books. But as they move on and the children get older, they have a darker material and a little sexual own overtones in it. And that clearly moves those books into young adult for libraries and schools and for general reading level. Hmm. So
3: interesting. interesting. I've never so, given it that much. I
0: know. It's it's exactly. I mean, really, it is clearly defined and it's pretty much age specific.
1: Yeah, Sai, do you have anything to add to that? I feel like Mary Alice kind of covered it, but just in case.
5: (laughs) No, well, Mary Alice is the expert on that. I, um, Gosh, in 1999, um, my book in the Snake Pit, uh, the first in the series of nonfiction books for kids in grades four through eight, Mm -hmm. and that was called Scientists in the Field. And Mm -hmm. with photographer Nick Bishop, we would go into the field and describe what was – Going on on our expedition, and the very first one not only had eighteen thousand snakes, but what were they doing in the pit? Was they were having sex? So there, there <laughs> oh eighteen thousand
0: sex.
6: Oh my, well, God.
5: my! My mother wouldn't even have the book.
6: Like, oh, you're right. your going to be kittens and,
5: and puppies and bunnies, right? And I'm like, no, it's going to be eighteen thousand snakes. In
2: a bit, and
5: what are they doing? They're copulating.
2: Okay, well, I just have a question for you, Cy. Who whose job was it to count the snakes?
5: Ah, it was it was Bob Mason, uh, who was who was the scientist in the field who we were highlighting and who is still my friend today, who I saw on my last book tour back when we were all much younger, and we had book tours. Um, <laughs> There's there a mathematical formula that you can figure out how many snakes are there but he also <laughs> was able to figure out that the snakes in each pit there were several of them and they hibernated or or bruminated in those pits in the winter they were stacked like like logs, you know, in, 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 in your um, oh, room I'm going to have nightmares Their about blood this. got as thick as mayonnaise. And then in the spring, they all woke up and the males would come up first and they'd wait around. And then the ladies would wake up and then it was like the worst frat party you'd ever been to. <laughs> because all the males would gang the female and they would get like these mating balls of like a hundred guys and one female. And Bob oh, Mason was dear. also the guy who figured out how do they know which one is the female? Cause every snake looks like a tube. So how do you figure, how do you figure this whole thing out? And he's the one that figured it out. They have pheromones like insects have. He was the first to figure out that reptiles have pheromones in, that they use yeah. to signal, you know, I'm, I'm the one you want to mate with. But there were also she males who pretended that they were females so that all the males would gang them, and that's a hole in the Oh my
2: gosh! <laughs> we all this is Middle it. grade? No, no. Well, it I'm is thinking... Pride Month.
3: <laughs> there you go. And I'm thinking that's not middle grade. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Not. <laughs> Probably not. So, so when so you're thinking like of choosing a middle oh, grade, so. <laughs> grade book, you will remember
1: Size Snake Story. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's amazing. So, both of you do research with wildlife, and clearly, you both completely love what you do. But there is a difference. Um, Mary Alice doesn't go into snake pits, um, <laughs> but there's also another difference. Sai, you write nonfiction, and Mary Alice writes fiction. I want to know why each of you chose the path you chose. You, sigh first in nonfiction to bring awareness, or was that your reason for writing about these species? Well, yeah, that I reckon
5: you know, kids they say are uh, the leaders of tomorrow, but really they're the leaders of today. Oh, and wow, yeah, it, I love as, that. As a, a writer, I mean, the reason that I draw breath really, the, the reason that I don't just jump off a cliff tomorrow, um, is I really. Do love this natural world. I love the creatures in it. I I know that they love their lives as we love ours, mm-hmm. and children have a, a natural connection to that if we don't wreck it, you know. And mm-hmm. I love writing for adults too. And you get to use a lot of words and big ones. And and you know, as 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 a writer, that is that is enjoyable too. And and humans of all ages can change the world, but I think of all of my readers, the children are the ones that are are going to do the most for the animals that I write about. And I, I write nonfiction because I'm not smart enough to write fiction.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. honestly, you hit the nail on the head, Side, It's that the kids get it, and it's instinctive, and they don't have um, the they doubt and the naysaying hasn't hit them yet. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, you know, I have written the same message for adults in fiction. For me, it was always going to be fiction. I'm a storyteller. So I wanted to mm-hmm. use the p- power of fiction in a different way. You catch people differently with fiction than mm-hmm. you do with nonfiction. They, it's a more emotional response. But with kids, you hit the nail on the head with these kids believe in themselves they believe they can save the world. And I was saying earlier, you know, if I talk to an audience of adults and I talk about all the plastic that's in the ocean, a good example would be that many adults will just, oh, it's too big, it's too late, what can I do? You talk to a bunch of little kids, 8 to 12, and they're like, let's get out there and clean it up. What can we do? You know, I believe we have what's... And they absolutely believe that it can be changed. Mm-hmm. And so that, plus their natural predilection for just loving animals. Yeah. They just, they have that instinct that they haven't grown out of yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's still there with adults. When I'm on the beach with adults, I see that interesting and curiosity. And, you know, especially on the beach with turtles, you know, what's going on? They yeah. care. And that's what you try to elicit mm-hmm. when you write a fiction, is that that caring, because if they care, then I always say they'll take care. No, you're absolutely right.
5: And and I also, I, I love fiction because, you know, it has a beginning, a middle, and end narrative, of course, comes from the word river, and it carries you from one place to another. Yeah. And even though I'm writing nonfiction, I'm borrowing that from fiction because in mm-hmm. my books, um, the expedition has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And frequently, absolutely. there's some... I mean, not infrequently. In fact, it's never been that there wasn't some real drama. Is this going to work? Um, In in one of the books that I I wrote for young readers, three days from when we were going to leave, it really looked like we might get eaten by lions and hyenas. So, you know, you go... (laughs) That would be an unfortunate ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) that wasn't going to be too bad. But (laughs) but we got back. (laughs) We broke down in the middle of a... In the middle of nowhere, and we could, you know, we could hear lions, and we knew there were hyenas, and uh, there was no cell phone, and there was no one coming. And um, basically, two of the people we were with managed to manufacture car pieces out of scotch tape and dog rule. Oh so, my goodness, and we got out of-
3: Sigh, you're such an adventurer, yeah, you are yeah, like
0: that's
5: amazing. Indiana
3: Jones, you are like. <laughs> Yeah. You're amazing. She yeah. is. That's why she's
0: a hero of so many of us. Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, um, gosh, I don't even know how to segue past that. That's know, so amazing. So I'm am just gonna not transition at all and say that we have another exciting guest to welcome <laughs> onto the show tonight. Um, so uh Mary Alice wrote The Islanders with Angela May, and she is going to be here to talk about the book.
4: And we all love Angela. She's a former television news journalist, another journalism major. Mm -hmm. Um, She has been working with Mary Alice as her right-hand assistant and as a publicist. And, you know, we all kind of wish we had um, an Angela in in our lives. I think she does so much behind the scenes. So The Islanders is their very first book together. And Angela lives with her family in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Um, Her family consists of her two children and her husband. And her husband's an assistant principal, which I'm sure was pretty helpful in writing a middle grade book. So we we are yeah. so excited because this is Angela's debut novel. Yay. So we're so excited. Let's welcome debut novelist Angela May.
0: Yeah. Ooh,
7: Angela. 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 I can't believe I'm finally a part of, you know, the, the Brady Bunch
2: <laughs> screen. <laughs> <laughs> this
7: is wonderful. Thank you all.
2: So how, you know, Angela, it's your debut novel. How does it feel? Is it like opening night? It's been emotional. I have had to say probably
7: a dozen times to myself, don't burst into tears of happiness. Don't burst (laughs) into tears of happiness. It's just, it's a really special and busy time right now because it's not only did our book debut this week, but then I also watched my fifth grader on live stream today walk across the stage for his moving on up ceremony. Oh and I mean, awesome. and my children are in this category that we're writing for oh, that age wow. group, and so it's all so very meaningful. So I'm, I'm on cloud nine. That's great. so great. So should you should be.
1: You should uh, I. I for you. Mm-hmm. We're so excited for you. Well, Mary Alice and Angela, y'all chose our bookstore, Charleston's Blue Bicycle Books.
0: So, um, Mary Alice, will you tell us a little bit about what the store means to you? I will, and I think many of you have been to events with Blue Bicycle here in Charleston. So Jonathan yeah. Sanchez, I've known him for a long time since he bought Boomer's Books, and that was back in 2007, and it became Blue Bicycle Books. And in addition to owning the bookstore, this is really big, y'all. Jonathan is the founder of the Y'all Fest, wow. and it's Charleston's young adult and middle grade festival, which draws in the top aud- authors in the industry yeah. and 12,000 fans wow. to Charleston the second week of November. It's huge.
7: Angela, what about you? Um, I have had the pleasure of knowing Jonathan since before he owned Blue Bicycle Book. And I love the fact that he hosts really great events. He makes everything look easy because of his laid back personality, but he does in-store events, events around town, and it's always so fun to work with him. Um, But he doesn't just carry current books, but he also has antique books. And I know that my children have enjoyed going in his store in the past because he also has like a children's book area. He caters really nicely to that audience as well. So we just love him. We love his family. And he had our hearts full when he shared the news with us that his daughter- who is 12 or 13, I can't remember Mary Alice, that she not only read an ARC copy of The Islanders, but she read it three times over the course <laughs> of the Christmas break. I mean, for a kid to read your book from start to finish is a compliment.
3: Okay. But to reread it is the ultimate compliment. That, uh, so we love her. <laughs> <laughs> And we hope that from Blue Bicycle tonight, you will not only order Mary Alice and Angela's hot off the press, the Islanders, but also Cy Montgomery's wild adventures in nature (laughs) and all of these books for your child or your grandchild, because tonight is book launch night. And if you order Mary Alice and Angela's book tonight, your book will be signed by them and your child will receive a packet of fun for young Islander. That's right. I love this freebie pack
7: that Blue Bicycle Books is going to send to everyone. You have a nature journal cover. It's like an adhesive on the backside, and your children get to color it, personalize it the way they want, and you can't see it right now, but they can even put their name on it. But You'll see once you read the book why this Nature Journal cover is so important to us. And then that um, book cover is actually an author postcard. So after you or your young reader reads the book, you can let us know your thoughts. I think that's a good old-fashioned way of reader connecting with writer two bookmarks and exclusive made stickers. Um, Shout out to my hubby who did it for $0 for me. I'm like, could you make me stickers?
2: I really appreciate it. He did a great job. So cute. It's great to have handy husbands. Yes. (laughs) Um, Of course, as usual, you can get 10% off the purchases of the Friends and Fiction Authors books too, as well as Simon Montgomery's books and of course The Islander's with the code FRIENDS.
1: I know Will's going to want those freebies. That's They're so cool. Um, so let's begin our questions to our authors. And remember, if you have a question tonight for Sai or Mary Alice or Angela, you can put them in the chat and we will hopefully be selecting some live questions soon if we have time.
3: All right, Sai, back to you because I've got some questions for you in right. your wild life. <laughs> so you have written about so many different animals. Uh, For me, the octopus one is, is probably the most interesting and least terrifying. So (laughs) I want to know, I'm really curious how you approach your books. Are you inspired? Is the story come from the animal or do you start with the animal or is it based on conversation with scientists or experts? How do you pick how you're going to approach which animal? Well, it varies. Um, each each book is each book is a
5: different gift. And the oh, first book okay. I ever did um, was um, an homage in honor of three of my heroines growing up: Jane Goodall, Diane Fossey, and Brute Galdekas. Mm-hmm. I did a book wow. called "Walking with the Great Apes," and I felt like my first book needed to say thank you to these oh, wow. incredible wow. women. And what I wrote, it wasn't a triple biography. But it was a biography of their relationships with their study animals, which is how, by establishing relationships with those animals, that was key to their new understanding of these creatures. They understood these creatures in a way nobody had before. They spent longer um, entwined with these animals' lives. And that was because they loved them. They were not just study subjects. Uh Who's that? I heard. I'm God. sorry. God.
3: <laughs> Good God.
5: Hi. <laughs> but and do you, so So how would
3: so so you it, pick your animals after that? Which well, guys, after I that,
5: I mean, the next, the next one, I, I, I was very interested in um, human relationships with animals because this is what's okay. driving the extinctions of animals today now uh, our lousy relationships with them. So um, that was when I did the book on man-eating tigers. And I told my husband, you know, don't worry, honey, they're man-eaters. And in fact, they, they did eat men and not women because the women tended to stay home where they could be eaten by crocodiles. <laughs> <laughs> they, they literally ate men because the men were the ones who went into the tiger reserves where they were not supposed to go. So, um I I picked that animal to write about because our relationship with tigers is causing their extinction. And I found that there was one place in the world where people were not eradicating the tigers, but where the only place in the world where healthy tigers will swim out into the ocean waves after your boat and get on board and eat you. And there's about 500 tigers that live in this 10,000 square kilometer mangrove swamp between India and Bangladesh. And I wanted to know, like one, what is it that the people in that area know about the tigers that causes them not to kill them? And two, why were the tigers killing the people that they did? Normally, eating you is something that really irritates humans and makes them want to kill the animals more. And yet in this place, the people actually worship the tiger. So it was a mystery I wanted to solve. Mm-hmm. So, and so on and so on. I mean, after, after that, I wrote about other animals. I saw pink dolphins um, in the, the Ganges River. There's pink river dolphins mm-hmm. in the Ganges. And how can you not want to follow a dolphin everywhere? Yeah. So yeah. I discovered there were pink dolphins in the Amazon River, and they are very storied animals. There's wonderful stories about yeah. them. So I did... I did a book called Journey of the Pink Dolphins, and one book led to another, led to another, and the more relationships that I that I had with both people and animals, um, that now there's books, I mean, I'm sure you all feel this way, you feel like you have more ideas and there are planes coming in at Logan, you know, you just hope, uh, you know, you want to eat your vitamins and live forever so that you yeah. can
3: keep writing. Oh, so yeah, it's the idea, the That's curiosity beautiful. that
0: keeps you going.
3: It really is. How about um, you, Mary Alice? Do you decide the animal first, the story first? What inspires? It's except for this last one, which was about, about the pandemic, which
0: was as, as we talked about before, kind of a whirlwind. It's always the animal, the species that that sparks, and I don't have a pre. I have a lot of possible ideas of animals I'm interested in, but it's usually something very instinctive that it's time to write about this animal now. And I've seen over the course of my career that it's, it's very prescient in a sense. And I think we all have this ability where if I wrote about, I wrote about the monarchs and the book came out right when the population crashed. So I think it's true that if we are in tune with nature and what's around us, we can almost anticipate. So I, Usually choose the species and then I have to do the academic and research and talk to experts to see if there's enough there for a book. And it almost mm-hmm. always is, you know, because you fall in love with the species, the more you l- learn about them. Sure. And then I work with the animals and it's only through working with the animals that I pull parallels out to create a novel. So the species mm-hmm. first. Species first.
2: Um, Angela, your background is in journalism. Like a couple of us here. Um, What shifted your focus to writing children's literature and will you keep doing that? Well,
7: when I first met my husband, you know, when you're newly in love and you ask each other a thousand questions late at night, I remember he had asked me, as I was working at a newsroom, if money didn't matter, what's the one thing that you would want to do. And I said, I want to write children's books. And when I decided to leave my career in journalism, because I I didn't know exactly what I was going to do next, but I just knew intuitively that it was time that that chapter of my life was done. Um, As soon as I left my job, my husband let me know that he saw a special course open up at the Citadel and it was an evening class on children's writing and publishing. And so I took the course and learned a lot. And then one thing led to another where I um, connected with Mary Alice, but all of that was just this kind of secret desire to write Mm -hmm. children's books. And I dabbled with it, but I never took any of that seriously. Um, So, but now, now that I'm on this journey with Mary Alice and I've had this chance to do this, I i am so excited to write for middle grade fiction. I know that it wasn't children's picture books, which I had originally thought this is, it's this category. This is the one that really connects with me. And it reminds me of how I felt when I fell in love with reading and would devour books. I'm sure you guys feel the same way when you think back to your childhood. So I I hope to have the opportunity to continue to work hard and write.
2: Now, Cy, oh, I'm so happy. why kids? You've written a library of adult no- novels. What drew you to write children's books? Well, I
5: always thought I wanted to write for kids because they're the ones that are going to change the world. Um, mm. They're yeah. the ones that are going to hear about the plastic and they're going to start the beach cleanup. And they're also going to go home and tell their parents, you know what? No more straws. No more plastic yeah. stuff. I don't care. Um, I'm I'm going to be the I'm going to be the one that's going to make the whole family like vegetarian. And guess what? We're going to buy a hybrid car and children really drive a lot. of. We love that. But it was it was Mm. Nick Bishop who came up to me at a conference at which I thought I had horribly bombed. It was I was on a panel (laughs) and all the panelists except for me were men. And they were all answering all the questions. There wasn't a moderator until there was a question saying, what about children's books? Sigh. I'd never written a children's book. It was like, my ovaries are going to write this. Why why would I do it? It was, it was, I just uh, felt terrible. But then Nick Bishop comes up to me looking like he had just woken up under a pile of leaves. And I knew he was like my kind of guy. He's was <laughs> a fantastic photographer, and he'd also um, written children's books, but he really wanted to take photographs instead of, instead of write them. And, you know, he could have been an axe murderer, but I asked him if he would send me pictures <laughs> of animals that he had taken. Because when you look in the face of an animal, you can tell whether they're being pursued by the paparazzi. And particularly oh. small animals oh. like... Um, Reptiles, you can look at the face Mm. of the reptile or insect and tell if they have been refrigerated because this is something that a lot of photographers do to calm calm down, (laughs) make their animals not move. So you can see, and children can see this too. A lot of adults just don't pay attention, but you can see it. And I looked at his (sighs) photographs of insects and reptiles and it was clear to me, that the animal was literally frozen. It wasn't hypothermic. It wasn't dead. There's a lot of pictures of dead bugs that are supposedly, you know, live bugs in children's books. And and I could see that the animal was showing its true self, that he had taken his time with these animals so that they were showing themselves as a, you know, a calm creature, not like freaking out. And so I said, yeah. I'll work with you, and that's when we we founded the Scientists in the Field series for
0: Myth. That's great. How cool! Yeah, yeah. You're amazing. Yeah.
5: All
4: right, so I wanna go back to Angela for a second. Angela, um, and you know, this is also coming in as a question from um, some of our readers wondering what was the process, how did you do this together? But I'm really curious, so we we have one from Susan God asking just that question, Um, but she is curious about the process of collaboration, as am I. So first of all, how did you you do this together with Mary Alice and as a new author, what are the advantages to writing collaboratively? and is that something you think you'll do in the future?
7: Well, it was a really interesting process because even though she's a senior writer, she's been doing this for decades, and I'm, you know, a new writer on this side, it was new to both of us to collaborate together. So we did, had to had to feel our way through it. Wouldn't you say, Mary Alice? Absolutely, like, yeah. We really didn't know what to do. So we started with the basics, which was talking about the things that excited us most about the setting, which is Dewey's Island, South Carolina, and a place that's captured our hearts. And then we had the outline, you know, who are these characters and and what's going to happen? And then from there, we would just pass it back and forth. I would take some time and write a big, long chunk and work on that in between our regular job. And then I would send it back to Mary Alice and She would do all of her revisions, send it back to me, and it would just chunk by chunk. We slowly got it done.
3: That's awesome. And as we
7: were saying
0: tonight, we we talked to Ron last night, and I think what came out was that it really involves a lot of trust. That you can't to collaborate with someone, you have to know that your your ideas of where you're going and what you want to do matches up, and you trust that you're going to do the best you can, not just for your own work, but for the book and for each other.
1: Get right that that's
7: mean, true that... Yeah. Go, sorry go, go ahead Angela yeah I was gonna say and I think that um one of the things that I felt personally that worked really well I always felt re-energized Mary Alice every time we stepped away from our office spaces to go back mm. to the island yeah. and just yes. leave the laptops at mm. home and to immerse ourselves there and then to be with our friends on the island um most notably Judy Fairchild, who is a resident and a naturalist. She's coming. Don't and, talk about her too much yet. She's Oh, coming. I won't. Right, <laughs> right. But, you know, she was just able to share all these things with us because, I mean, I look at things and I'm like, well, what's that? What's wow. that neat bird? What's that tree? You know, and she's able to explain my, And we would walk away just like, buzzing with energy, oh, right? Yeah. Just ready to write again. So I, I loved returning to the setting each time.
4: That's how awesome. great. And how nice to have that partner to kind of bounce mm-hmm. that energy mm-hmm. off of too. I think that that must've been um, a really cool part of the process. Um, Sai, how about you? Can you talk us a little bit through the, your process of collaboration?
5: Yes. Well, for a lot of the books, there wasn't a whole lot of collaboration with creating the book, but there would be work with the scientist. Um, with the scientists in the fields stuff, um, well, I mean, Nick literally saved my life a couple of times. Um, in Papua New Guinea, I had uh, hypothermia and um, altitude sickness. But, of course, you don't know. And it was pouring rain. And mm-hmm. I felt sick and I wandered away from camp. And because it was pouring rain, no one could have found <sighs> me. No one could have heard me call. No one could have oh. found me. But Nick noticed (laughs) that I was missing, and I suppose he didn't want to have to write and photographed the book. So <laughs> he ran after me and got me. He helped me not fall off a mountain at 10,000 feet. Okay, that's a home. really good collaboration.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah so, Mary
5: Alice, you're going to need to step it
7: up. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, right. that's
0: right. right. You're just putting oh, Angela, be ready to save my life. I'm I all about adventures, it.
7: but you know, that takes it to a whole other
0: oh, level. That's yeah. incredible. Right. But you still had to share ideas and all that with him. Right. And, and oh yeah. In fact, I mean, it was so great because with, with the photos, you know, um,
5: the Scientists in the Field series is half photos and a half text. Mm-hmm. So we had to be physically together during this. A lot of a lot of books with, with photographs, nonfiction, animal books with photographs, the photographer and the, the author never go into the field at all.
2: Mm-hmm. And
5: but but when I would write I knew what photos he had. Cause I saw
6: yeah. what he
5: was photographing. And, um, this has continued. I've worked with a couple, I've worked with a couple of other photographers since then on projects that he did not want to do. One, um, some involved scuba diving and he's not a diver. Um, another one I worked with, um, Tia Strombeck who photographed California condors. Now that was exciting. I, I got bitten by a condor. A giant vulture. Right. Yeah,
6: yeah. You can really yeah, survive a
1: lot
3: of things.
0: <laughs> so
6: so yeah. okay.
3: You need a TV show. Uh, no wait. kidding, right? But I, but I have the perfect
0: piece for radio, unfortunately.
5: No, you're <laughs> so no. beautiful. No, I want to
0: ridiculous. hear all your stories. Actually, the, sci- the, the Scientist series is so great for kids. It really is. I absolutely love it. Avalon. Oh, thank you. It could be the God. new, be the out the out new
1: crocodile
5: hunter. Exactly. Oh, you know what? We wanted to do the crocodile scientist, but our scientist stopped going into the field. We're waiting for her to come back.
7: Oh, oh.
3: <laughs> oh. oh wow wow, wow, wow. You no
7: know, there are so many men on television who are survivalists and adventurous. I mean, wouldn't it be yeah. awesome to see a woman yeah, lighting a yeah, si, yeah. I'd yeah. watch that show.
1: Okay, well, we're making a festival. We're all, all, a talk. Talk. We're all well, making I, I get a film
3: <laughs> Absolutely. We, you are beautiful inside <laughs> and out. You're amazing. Yeah, awesome. we want to
5: watch
0: you, Cy. We
5: mm-hmm. want to hear your stories. <laughs> we want to I don't know where
3: else.
0: Maybe you and I should... Sai, sign me up. Only I don't know about the snakes, but I'll go for those tigers. Oh, I know
5: you would. You totally would. (laughs) And the gorilla, sign
0: me up with that gorilla. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: All right.
2: Well, I think we're ready for some live questions. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of them. Everybody wants to know, Sai. What is the animal, is there an animal you would not want to come in contact with (laughs) (laughs) or one you did come in contact with that you regretted?
5: Yes. And that was the mosquito that gave me dengue fever in Borneo. Darn it. I mean, Uh, kids are always saying, you know, what's the most dangerous animal in the world. And, you know, could it be the crocodile or is it the great white shark? And I've dived with great white sharks and they're not going to bother you, particularly if you're in a big steel cage. You yeah. know, tigers and lions and bears. And no, it's the mosquito. Mosquitoes have killed more people in the world than any other animal just by transmitting disease. Oh, wow. that's so, a great answer. Yeah. Well, the other animal that I could do without was um, leeches because I have had a lot of contact with leeches. and I've pulled off a few leeches, yeah. Oh, my God. You, you look like you've been shot. They, they, because their drool, of course, has an anticoagulant. You bleed like a stuck pig. It's terrible. And I didn't even know I'd been bitten the first time. And my friends came to pick me up in this parking lot, and I saw their faces just freeze yeah. when they saw me. And I thought, oh, is my bra strap showing or something? I looked like I'd been shot in the stomach. I just gushing blood
0: everywhere. Oh, I and came out. So the leeches. I came out, and the leeches were still on me. Oh, yeah. I,
5: yeah. Have, <laughs> I was
0: uh, like, Ew.
6: oh, it also is, has but, uh, uh,
0: an aesthetic.
5: So yeah. oh. often you don't feel it. <laughs> and at the end of the day in Borneo, we would peel off our clothes, and you know the fat, white leeches dropping out of your underwear. It's horrible. Okay, yeah, you have to do a body check. Yep.
1: Uh, subject change. Subject change. Okay. <laughs> all right. Are you all right. that I write fiction yeah, about exactly. you know exactly. sisters? Oh, my oh my on. Goodness. It's so
4: it's pretty so, cool, though. It is. it is right. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Mary Alice, this comes from um, Becky on YouTube. So someone tuning in on YouTube. Hey, um, you too. She, yeah, she's one wondering how do you transition from writing for adults to writing children's books?
0: It's a big difference. Anyone who thinks writing for kids is easier has never tried it. It's a, it's a myth. Writing for children is a complete transition. It's a, it's a difference in sensitivity. It's a difference in vocabulary and a difference in pacing. But the, you, what the mistake is thinking that if you're writing for children, it's it's simpler subjects. The depth of writing for kids is just as profound as writing for adults in fiction. You just handle it differently. So it's a completely different approach.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. So Cy, there's a woman named Jill Celeste, and I just love this question. She says, What's one this says this question is for Cy. What's one thing we can do as humans to make the planet a better place for animals? What a nice wow. question. Yeah.
5: That's great. Thank you so much for asking that. Um, boy, there's so there's so many, but one that is easy and is in our hands is plastic. Don't yes. buy it. And the whole idea about plastic recycling, it does not really get recycled. Really just number mm-hmm. 1 milk jugs is about the only plastic that gets recycled. The That's rest of, of, of it is not recycled. Know. So, don't buy it, don't use it and lobby the companies, your your local leaders to to ban single-use plastic. Items. It is so poisonous, and as you know, by the year twenty fifty, there will be more plastic in the ocean than fish. That's and so. Think boring. of the
0: consequences of that when you. It's
5: hideous. It. Yeah. And it's so turtles, I mean, we love. There's the, all five species of of sea turtles are endangered, and they see that gross plastic blob floating there, and it looks exactly like a jellyfish. Yeah. Wow.
7: Wow. And I asked Sai a follow-up question to the plastics comment. Yeah, so in your own life, Sai, how do you try to, what are some things that you do to really avoid plastics? Because I feel like when I have to go shopping for my family at the grocery store or at Target, mm-hmm. there's so many things that are wrapped in plastic and there's not an alternative.
5: Yeah, it's really true. Well, start, of course, by don't use single-use plastic bags. Bring your own cloth or recycled whatever bag and that is just real easy to do. A lot of a lot of the places I totally hear you because you know so many of the items that you you buy yogurt, a lot of yogurt yeah. is in nothing but plastic. There are some kinds that aren't. There's we, O U I yogurt and that's glass. In glass. glass. Yeah, um, there's so many drinks that are in plastic, but many of them are in aluminium cans and those are recyclable and they do get recycled. It, if you change change the way you cook and if you can change the way you shop, yeah, I, I joined the CSA and I get the most beautiful vegetables yeah. and I take them, I put them in my own bag and take them home and they're better for us and they support local farmers. So at every turn, I really make an effort. And many of the, many of the items that we buy that are pre-packaged, they're not that hard to make it yourself. Um, hummus, I eat tons of hummus it's real easy to make in the blender you open a can of garbanzo beans and you throw it in the blender <laughs> with some lemon juice and some garlic or something else if you want to make it taste better there's there's you don't have to tons blend. of stuff that you, can, that you can do and it's fun to think of with a kid to sit down yeah. with a kid and say listen let's figure this out and they'll see all kinds of oh, I love that oh, Wow.
1: well that is so great. And um, wow, I'm, I feel like I'm going to recommit to I was really, really good about that pre pandemic. And then we couldn't use all our bins and stuff. And I got a little bit worse about it. So um, I just thank you for that. Really reminder.
0: There's a, yeah. I have a, a, on my on my Facebook page, there's a group mm-hmm. and I started it two years ago. It's called Light One Candle. Sai, please jump in and give some of those suggestions. It's a way for, it's called Light One Candle. And it's a way how you, with all the barrage, what one thing can you do in your life? And it's all of us. There's a couple thousand people on there now where we all just try and come up with ideas of what we can do to make a difference in our personal life. So Sai, please join us on that. That's great. Thank you so much for doing that.
1: Well, as you know, on Friends in Fiction, we love our surprises. And so Mary Alice has another special guest tonight. Mary Alice, would you like to tell us about her?
0: I know. I'm really excited. When Angela and I were researching for the Islanders, we went to Deweese Island, which is this small remote island right off Isle of Palms. And our go-to person was Judy Drew Fairchild, who's a naturalist, a wonder. And y'all have to watch her show. It's on Instagram. It's it's a little series called Nature Walks with Judy. And we're going to show you a clip of it in just a minute. But first, let's bring on Judy Drew Fairchild who is the, who is the number one fan of Cy Montgomery.
6: I love you. Judy. Hi,
0: Judy, you're not wearing your, your adventure shirts and things. You're all, I know. all clean up pretty good for these <laughs> <though. laughs> show. have like a bug shirt on. Yes. Um, yeah. So we are so thrilled to have you and um can you tell us a little bit about Deweys and why you think the the what, how you helped us with the Islanders, what you think about it.
6: Sure. So it's a small island right off the coast of Charleston. There are um, the entire island is in a conservation easement. So when you build your house, you can only disturb a small footprint, you can't plant non native plants in the ground, you have to um, use like Sustainable building materials. Everything comes to the island by boat. Every bit of trash leaves the island by boat. So you work hard at, you know, using those CSA vegetables and composting what you aren't, you know, don't need to put into the landfill kind of thing. Um, And it's a it's a really interesting community. It's a little different. And like, you know, all utopian communities, we have our little challenges, but it's um, it's a really it's a really and it's not that far from Charleston. Um, You know, I was in Charleston for lunch today. Uh, I was in for a, a cool, exciting conservation announcement last night. So we can come and go pretty easily. And yet when you're out here. There are no cars on the island. You use golf carts or bicycles to get around. And so it's very quiet. Um, There are no lawns. And so it's got this sort of I don't know. It's like the barrier islands of your childhood that you remember that don't have any. There's no commercial activity, so no strip malls. No, if if you run out of something, you ask your neighbor, um, and it's you know people say, well, "What if you ran out of wine?" I'm like, "Well, stand in the road with a glass. Somebody's likely to drive by." And but- <laughs> how how closely did we come to talk about the? the Islanders and
0: how we wrote about it. Did we hit the mutt nail on the head?
6: You, you, That's one of the things I like best about it because, you know, you it's like you get us and, and the, <laughs> the, the ability for my children to grow up and know, you know, where the owl nests and when the sea turtles emerge from their little eggs and make it out to sea and um, how that is part of the day-to-day rhythm and understanding how the tides affect you and what the bird calls in the forest are and having that freedom um, to, to really explore nature in a way that is very hard to come by these days. And so we do have kind of free range kits, which is really, really fun. And also, you know, it's, you can lie on the dock for two and a half hours and watch fiddler crabs fight with their, you know, (laughs) with their big claws. Mm -hmm. And and you can hear the sounds of snapping shrimp in the marsh, and that's pretty much all you hear, which is I which know. is really amazing. So but awesome. Judy
0: did a really wonderful thing. She took lines of the book and she put she showed us Deweese. Sean, can you show that video? It's really amazing. An idyllic little place if you it's want beautiful. to see the whole thing she really you can see big al the alligator come to um
6: either nature it's nature walks with judy nature walks with has a, a page for the islanders and and it's also so it's just one little mini you know i i my pandemic pivot was like you and Sai where you want to get people to love the nature that's around us because they won't protect it if they don't know it and love it. And so, you know, I do like the haiku of, you know, one minute. Um, But the idea is just to get people to love what's in their own backyards. And I have an easy one to film, but it's, it's also, you know, Everybody can do
0: this. And it's really great. Judy has this way of making you realize, oh, that's really a cool critter. I want to know more about that critter. And that's that's the whole thing. It's also on my website. So, Judy, thank you for coming. Thank Thanks, you. you <laughs> for having <laughs> me. Judy, that was
6: <laughs> beautiful.
4: Oh, great. All right. That was so cool. So now it is time for one of our favorite parts of the show, the writing tip. So, Cy, do you have a writing tip you can give us tonight? I'm so interested to hear what you have to say.
5: Well, I mean, for me, I just need I need quiet, so I don't look at my email in the morning. I don't answer my phone. I
7: let the machine get it.
1: Ah, oh,
4: that's awesome.
7: We, we should oh, all do that.
1: <laughs> that's a really, really, really good tip. Zaya. I like that. So, um, everybody, please stick around because we have some announcements. But we also have one more question, and it's one of our favorites. So, Patty, announcements. For- Yep.
3: First of all, we want to remind you to check out our podcasts. Y'all, they are just getting better and better, and they are so much fun. I got to interview Chris Whitaker today of We Begin at the End, and I have been floating around on air. He was astounding. But we will always post links under announcements each time a new one goes out. And superstar librarian Ron Block is now the captain of our podcast ship. Because I'm gonna keep talking about ships.
6: And this <laughs> I mean,
3: you're
1: USA Today bestseller. You this have... week you gotta talk about the ship Patty. The ship is <laughs> the number
4: 38 book in the entire nation. So it's okay. Yeah, so there you um, yeah.
3: go. So this coming Friday, June 18th, Ron will be interviewing Stephen Rally, PJ Vernon, and Virginia Wills for Pride Week. Last week's episode, where Christy and Ron interviewed Viola Shipman and the Alay- Elena Friedland is up now
4: and of course do not forget to join the friends in fiction official book club hosted by our friends lisa harrison and brenda gardner so this coming monday june 21st mary Kay will be joining them to discuss her summer bestseller the newcomer um so that'll be a great opportunity to dig in with her and next up in july is mary alice's bestseller the summer of lost and found and she might even give you some insights into the islanders too so if you pick up the islanders today that'll be a great opportunity to chat about that
2: And don't forget, what's a book club without snacks? (laughs) Get 20% off your orders on mamageraldines.com with the code FAB5.
0: And speaking of snacks, the thing, what goes with them? Nothing better than wine. So don't forget your story point wine. Sip and stay after show tonight
3: and next week right here on our Sunday bonus at 5 p.m. we are talking to the witty, warm and wonderful Ann Garvin, USA today best-selling author and founder of Tall Poppies. You're not going to want to miss that Sunday episode. Mm-hmm. Then next week on Wednesday at 7 p.m. we will be joined by our friend Marie Benedict. And speaking of collaboration, she wrote her newest novel with Victoria Christopher Murphy. It is called The Personal Librarian.
6: So good. Mm. We can't
2: wait. So good. Mm -hmm. Now back to our one last question for our guests. One of our favorites, Sai, could you tell us about the values about reading, around reading and writing in your childhood that influenced you to be the author that you are today?
5: Well, when I was growing up, there were two institutions that no matter where we moved, my, my folks were military. I always found the library and I always found the church. And, There's the library. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I loved I I loved reading and always got out books about animals and plants. And often the librarian would know, you know, would see you coming and 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 have a suggestion for you. <laughs> the librarians are my heroes.
0: Oh, that yeah. is so lovely. Yeah, you know, we, it's amazing how many authors will say librarians, librarians. Yeah,
4: Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So to all of you out there, we encourage you to grab the new book just launched, The Islanders, for your child, your grandchild, or yourself. And of course, any of Sai's wonderful books too. Um, I think I'm going to be picking up Becoming a Good Creature uh, for my son, Noah. I think that's going to be a great one to read so we'll together.
1: Yes. Will is a little older, so he'll definitely be getting The Islanders. And we live on an island, so I know the story about a boy discovering how special island living is will appeal to him.
2: Yeah. And do not forget that you can get 10% off all of our books with the code FRIENDS, all caps, at tonight's highlighted Blue Bicycle Books. And your little one will love the packet of treats he or she will get if you order the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been the most special night. Nice. Uh, the middle grade book Islanders is launched, So here's some
0: Story Point wine toast for you. Yeah. Thank you, and Cy, your gift to the world was the hummingbird's gift that just yeah. released in May. All really, if you're a hummingbird lover and who isn't, this is a must read. I want to thank all of you for helping to launch Angela. Thank you so much. I know you're sticking around. All of you, thank you so much, Cy, It was such an honor. I'm looking forward to talking to you again. A lot. Yeah, I sure, I sure <laughs> hope our paths are going to cross, maybe with some alligators. I'm. <laughs> Actually, my the next middle grade book. It's interesting. Okay, my next middle grade book is focusing on alligators, and your next book is
3: on turtles. Turtles. So <laughs> we, are, we are set. <laughs> That's
5: awesome. We are soul sisters.
3: Thanks, Sai, It was so wonderful meeting you. Oh, Good it was so great.
5: Thank you for for having me. Join your group. This is
0: fabulous. Thank Thank you, and we're looking forward to the show. We're putting that on. We want that TV show starring starring Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Cypon Covering. All
1: right. Well, friends, that is our show for tonight. But don't leave. Stick around for our sip and stay with Story Point after show, where we will be chatting more with debut author Angela May. (laughs) Welcome, everyone. Yay. Welcome to our Friends in Fiction Sip and Stay well with done. Story Point after show. As we mentioned earlier, we are so happy to be partnering with Story Point Wines as the official sponsor of our after show.
4: All summer long, it will be the summer of Story Point here on Friends in Fiction.
2: Story Point comes in three varietals Chardonnay, you know that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pinot Noir and Cabernet. My personal favorite, of course, is the Chardonnay, and my husband loves the Cab. Mm, mine too
0: (laughs) i like them all have to be honest (laughs) as they say at story point many great stories and ideas unfold over a shared bottle
3: of wine and who knows that better than us ladies here at friends and fiction that's That's true so keep sticking around for the friends and fiction after show to sip and stay with story point well, Actually, that was a fun show. Let me just say, okay. Christy,
0: that was a lot to unpack. And you, you did so well. Thank you so no, much. For thank you. i like, the ship, as Patty would say. It was great. It was so amazing. Cheers to
2: you
1: guys. It was absolutely wonderful. And um, tonight, we wanted to sip and stay with Angela for a little bit and do a really quick sort of. Well, lightning round about what it's like to be a debut author. So, Angela, you are officially in the hot seat now. We all have a Gosh. question for you. All
4: right, Angela, I'm kicking things off. Can you tell us briefly about when you knew you wanted to be an author?
7: Gosh, um, I guess I would say when I was in elementary school, because after devouring tons of books, I was extremely Anybody who knows me now would be shocked to know this, but I was extremely quiet as a child. I mean, like, cried if my mom would try to make me go and just, you know, talk to the sales clerk at the store. Um, So I was always reading. And then, you know, when you're – you guys all did this as kids probably where – You try to emulate a story that you love, right? So in fifth grade, I worked so hard in my little notebook and wrote this big mystery about a portal in a basement behind the washing machine or something. That's all I remember of it. But I turned it into my fifth grade teacher, Miss Radowski. And asked her to grade it. And she was like, I'm not going to grade your story. I'm like, no, please grade it so I can do a good job and get better. And I still have her notes. And it was just all of of encouragement. (laughs) So I guess. She's your mentor. Yes. And so I guess that would probably be the actual time in my life where I knew I wanted to be a writer. But the funny thing is, is as a child, I never thought. You could have a career as a writer, which I don't understand why, because I read books written by mm, female authors. I yeah, yeah. just never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not until many years later in adulthood, which goes back to what I had said, that little quiet, mm-hmm. just, you know, wish that I had shared with my husband. And
2: that was it. And then here we are today.
7: Uh, That's
3: uh, amazing.
7: Was there
2: anything uh-huh. about the process of, you know, going to publication that really surprised you? about the writing or the publication process?
7: I knew it was hard by watching Mary Alice because I've Uh had the joy of sitting, you know, beside her just in the background, not helping at all with her books, but just being a friend to like listen and watch. So I knew how hard it is and how joyful it is and how painful it can be sometimes. But to actually go through the motions, I mean, then I was like, Okay, I get it now. <laughs> and it, but it was it was a great experience.
0: Yeah, you, you've seen every avenue of publication from your seat before your first book was published.
7: Yes, you're so right. I mean, I really have had like a I feel like a unique position in all of this, y'all, for just working with you for over a decade now and just little by little. And I remember like The first time I went to New York with you for one of your business meetings. I mean, I actually got to walk inside of Simon & Schuster. And I mean, Christy, I think you shared a story one time about that feeling, that standing right there and seeing that gold sign. Yes, I used to walk down the street. This is
1: not about me, but I just have to say that because you're so right. I used to walk down the street and I would look at that gold sign in Rockefeller Center and I'd be like, one day. Yeah, going they get to go in that building, yeah. and that's a. And then you get to
0: go to the special room, the site with this pictures special room. Schuster, the
1: big <laughs> table,
7: mm-hmm. the champagne. On the fourth, yeah.
1: is it the fourteenth floor?
7: The fourteenth floor. <laughs> <laughs> you walk down the hallway, and they have all those authors from over yes. the decades framed.
3: Yes. You
1: know, I remember being like, "Oh my god, it's Judy Bloom. She's looking at me on the wall."
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. So memorable. Do you have any projects you're working on for the future, my friends? Well, Mary Alex, can, we, Alice, can we, you talk we talk
7: about it? Go right ahead, sure. Why not? <laughs> Why not? So, We're amongst friends. <laughs> I mean, as you as you might notice, here's a clue to anybody who who gets our book. So mm-hmm. Since the Islanders on the front, but if you look right there on the spine, see that That's one? Wow. There's no <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. we are working on book two. Um, what's the working title that you've declared right now? Um, I like Return to the Island. I like that so I And go. I like it too. And I hear through the grapevine that Kristen's really good with uh book titles, so she can <laughs> yeah. it. Is it. Kristen, I'm you just jump in here. <laughs> you don't like it, that's but we are outlining and having so much fun just thinking about what we're gonna do next. And um, you know, sea turtles were the big species in this book, and there were lots of other wildlife in book one, but book two, you need one species to be prominent. And so we're going to make the American alligator be prominent. And Mary Alice, I'm really excited about that mm-hmm. because, you know, around here in the Low Country, y'all, there's a lot of fear about <laughs> gators. I, I mean, you should mm-hmm. see, like, and this is no diss to anybody, but there is just this sense of when you see a gator, no matter how big or small it is, you think, oh, my gosh, it could, you know, eat my dog, my cat, yeah. hurt yeah. a child. They and yeah, all of those that animals. is... Absolutely a reality, but I've had the privilege of learning more about that species in my previous job as a journalist and meeting someone who is nicknamed don't the
3: Gator. Okay, Well, so, so what you're saying
4: is snake <laughs> <kit> <laughs> island, I was just gonna so say not. that. Please tell so... us book three is sexy snakes. <laughs> oh, no? oh my gosh,
0: actually, I am not afraid of snakes. The not of sexy snakes. I mean, they're not a
7: close and personal kind of things, but <laughs> just don't make book three be about palmetto bugs. Please. No. <laughs> no, 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 I'm I mean, sorry. Bird. <laughs> There's
1: nothing redeeming about Maybe them. Maybe book I- two could be um gator bait.
0: <laughs> Gator.
3: <laughs> th- you always come up with good ideas, too, Kathy. What is the phrase about up to my in alligators? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> That's very. That's more of a young adult
6: title, Patty. Yeah, okay, I was getting <laughs> the now categories, categories we mixed about up. Rock and roll here. Yeah,
3: got my categories mixed up. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you,
0: Angela. Um, all the, we just started doing book tours, how's it going so far? You
7: amazing, <laughs> and, um, and, but a lot of nerves. I mean, I've really been like a bag of jitters every right before every single. Never know episode. it. Well, I'm so glad, um, I, and I think it's because I don't want to disappoint anybody, and especially you, because I know you've been doing this for so long, and I want to make sure that I'm helping represent our special book in the best light possible. So, There's no know, way you and, couldn't, my darling. There's no way you couldn't. So, no, But yeah. it's been really great, but every time each event, each new thing is done, I'm like, Oh, okay. Not
0: through Not that one. Go. Okay, girls, we've all done this, so you you know we're going to Litchfield on Friday.
3: Oh, she's she's
1: Litchfield. Oh, yes. you. You. Yeah, she's, she's gonna, gonna love it.
0: They're gonna love
7: you. She's gonna love it. I'm so excited. I got to talk to Olivia today for a minute on the phone.
6: Check in she's so about Friday. She's
7: adorable. She's excited. Yeah. We are too. It's
1: gonna be great. Well, there's a, a lot of great things going on. We're super proud of you guys. Um, and I'm cheers super again, proud to guys! To cheers it. to the Islanders.
7: Thank others. you, thank and the you, I remember and, I cheers and to Mary Alice. Hardy. Thank you for bringing
3: on Sai. She was so yeah, she was fascinating, interesting, she was so she fascinating.
0: Was, she really is amongst environmentalists, really like an icon. She's right up there with Fosse. And wow. she's incredible! Um, yes. When she said yes, I was just Tickled, and and Nate, Judy, who came on the show, was like gushing. She was like fangirling Aww. because this is Cy Montgomery, and you know, I I I love to write about wildlife, but I haven't done. You know what I was thinking? You know, it would be really fun is to get her and Delia <laughs> Owens talking about living in Africa together. Yeah, Those oh three, my god, get me. Those two would have a better conversation yeah. of what it was like to deal with the wild. Wow. But I was really touched by her. She truly is. Humble when it comes yeah. to talking about working with animals and mm-hmm. wanting people to understand, you know, that they have lives that matter and yeah. they have personalities. If we only take a moment to get to know yeah. them, yeah. and it's easy to do that with a dolphin, I imagine it's a lot harder to do with a tarantula. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, true. <laughs> or a pit of snakes. Yeah, or mm-hmm. a pit of snakes.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Thank I agree. You.
2: I will never get the image of. Snakes 18,000. I mean, yes. Oh, we have to. I'm, I'm, I'm really afraid gonna have I'm gonna have nightmares about I'm that. I'm not sure I can unsee that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, 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 yeah, that's like a Indiana Jones nightmare. Yeah, that's the point in the, those movies when he goes in that and he goes, Snakes! That's the point when I go, click. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly I don't yes. know what's HGTV up for a while until yeah. the next
0: <laughs> away. Too, there's a real fear of reptiles and I think it goes back to the Bible to be honest with you or yeah. to
3: their fangs. It might be their fangs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. It might be their deadly poison. I mean, I want to just
1: throwing out some ideas. It could
3: be their venom. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It yes. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. the poison. Yeah. Makes it's, makes sense. it's the poison. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, you guys. That <laughs> was amazing. amazing.
3: Congratulations. Good night, Patty. Well. Yes. Patty and everybody.
1: Kristen. Congrats Thank
6: again you. on Congrats. the chart. Good Congratulations the chart. Night. Good Good night. Night. Congratulations, Angela. Congratulations,
1: is the Islanders. Good night. Good, Good night. night.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs every Wednesday night at seven PM Eastern Time. And please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're
6: here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your
5: voice to the world.